0: Welcome everyone to the hottest ski the podcast episode 27. I'm Sean. I'm here with Enrique. we got a couple things to break down. Uh, we're not going to waste any time. We're going to get right into it. Uh, All-star weekend was, was fun. Had a, had a blast. Um, obviously, as we all saw from Yankee fans, uh, Giancarlo Stan took the MVP with that huge two run bomb, 457 feet. Uh, he won the all-star MVP you know he hit it right where he used to sit back when he was a Dodger fan when he was a young lad Uh, it was it was a lot of fun all the Yankees showed out you know everyone still had fun everyone was mic'd up we saw some really fun things Uh, home run derby was incredible Um, it just shows the future of the home run derby it's going to be a lot of fun a lot of young kids are, are taking over over baseball nowadays and uh, MLB has a very bright future In, in these young stars um, We also got to discuss Unfortunately the Houston Astros doubleheader. Yankees couldn't win either of them They now have won two Of seven against them this season And uh, as amazing As this Yankees season has been It seems like the Yankees finally have a crypt tonight And they're called the Houston Astros uh, We'll get into all that We have a great show for you We'll be right back it is
1: high it is far it is gone
0: And we're back. Well first off uh, let's let's have some fun here and um, let's talk some all-star weekend. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I know on the viewerships and the and all the TV ratings, it didn't show it, but I had a blast watching it on Monday and on Tuesday. Um, Home Run Derby was fun. You know, we saw a lot of young stars really show out. Uh, we saw some Home Run Derby winners in the past take it a little too seriously. We uh, we saw we saw some fun things. We saw a legend even win win around. Um, you know, I'll start with you, Enrique. Um, what did you? What did you think of the home run derby
1: brother has Julio Rodriguez arrived or as he arrived, my God, what a first round that guy had. He seemed like he was going to hit every single ball that came to him out. Like I forgot how many he had like that. He hit out consecutively, but it just seemed like one after the other, after the other, like, it almost seemed for a while that it was destined to be him against Juan Soto in the finals, which I believe it was, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And, you know, it just is foretelling of the way MLB is going, where there's a wave of the future movement going on here, where, you know, you got symbolically the past being passing the torch to the future with Albert Pujols you know giving his props to to Juan Soto you know it's it's great to see you know you always love to see that passing of the torch thing happening in all kinds of sports you know you saw it in the NFL with Brady passing the torch to Mahomes and and now you got it here with Rodriguez and and Soto it, it was awesome to see and like you said we saw uh, a player from the other New York team going a little nuts and and needing to meditate to to stay calm. Sean, what's that about?
0: I don't know, man. That that dude was deadlifting, he was meditating and then his I don't even think he made it much better with his his post-game interview of saying how his temper and you know, he could hurt people if he wanted to. Sir, what are you talking about? <laughs> like it's the Home Run Derby. We're having fun. Like it ain't that serious, man. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, but you know that it was it was a really fun showing. I, like you said, Julio Rodriguez showed out. He was the first, uh, the first participant of the night, and for him to go and hit 32 home runs, you know, in, in the opening round, I almost felt bad for Corey Seager. He makes his return to L.A. and he he puts up 24 home runs, which is which was the second, you know, the second most, which technically was the most hit by any other player uh, throughout the entire home run derby. But he still loses because he's facing Julio Rodriguez. It's just, it it, it couldn't ask for it to be more unfair for Corey Seager, but you know, it it was fun. You know, you saw Albert Pujols, he beat Kyle Schwarber, who was the number one seed going into it. You know, that was awesome. Obviously, you know, Juan Soto beat Jose Ramirez. Uh, Everyone's watching every footstep that Juan Soto is, is performing right now. Everyone's following everything he's doing. And then like we just mentioned, Pete Alonso beat uh, Acuna in the first round to to advance. It was it was fun because you saw three of the four, you know, take it in by one home run. And then obviously Julio, uh, which the ESPN broadcast love to say a thousand times. Julio Rodriguez Julio. What does Julio mean in English? July. But whatever. You know, yes, he he, he showed out. And, you know, it, it was a lot it was it was a lot of fun.
1: I got to tell you, I was surprised that he lost to Juan Soto. Maybe he ran out of gas at the end. Who knows? But I honestly thought that that home
0: run derby was his for the taking, bro. Like, he was on fire. I disagree with you. Because you know why? I think every time they show out in the first, like, round or two, they never have enough gas. We saw with Josh Hamilton at Yankee Stadium where he showed out and, and he lost to Justin Morneau in the in the finals. You know, you just run out of gas. And you end up losing and sometimes you just don't have enough to win it at the end. It was awesome. You saw the youngest from Julio Rodriguez uh, all the way to Albert Pujols, you know, Juan Soto, who it's funny how he was the old man in the finals, but he's only 23 years old and was the second youngest to win it. It just goes to show how, you know, the younger generation is really starting to take over baseball right now.
1: Let me quickly, before we move on to the actual all-star game, let let's give out our flowers to Albert Pujols man congratulations on your final home run derby thank you for everything you've done for the sport for a long time this dude was the best player in baseball back in his St. Louis days man so props to you Albert you know it was great to see you win that one round when you beat Schwarber Um, glad your son got to enjoy it brother and um, thank you and you know, good luck the rest of the year on your on your final season in MLB. So what about the All-Star game, Sean? How about how about the All-Star game? How about our boys? They they did pretty good in the All-Star game itself, huh? What yeah. a spectacle. That was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it from start to finish, man.
0: Yeah, me too. And you know what? It was fun because you had technically six All-Stars, really five that performed in the game. But still, you know, even Garrett Cole, who had no business you know, performing in, in the All-Star game because he had just pitched the night before. Um, he still was mic'd up. He was a lot of fun. You know, you even had Judge and Stanton for a brief moment in the outfield mic'd up before Judge's mic cut out. And then you had a really awesome moment, which I even said in in during live in that moment of having Nestor and Trevino pitch toward, with one another and, and calling the signals.
1: If you think about it, it's funny, man. The All-Star game kind of... Kind of, sort of, I, I don't think they did this intentionally, but they kind of, sort of, catered to us Yankee fans because, if you notice, you had Garrett Cole mic'd up, laughing with Max Free, talking about their career home runs that they hit back when they hit in the National League. Um, you had Nasty Nestor and, and uh, Trevino mic'd up talking to each other. We definitely got to get into that in a little bit. You had Judge and Stanton mic'd up until Judge's mic turned off. The only one that didn't get mic'd up was Clay Holmes. <laughs> I mean, you, at that point, bro, I'm not going to lie to you. At that point, I was expecting Clay to also come out mic'd up because we literally had every single one of our players mic'd during the All-Star game. It was awesome.
0: It it was a lot of fun. You know, it really was. Um, you know, the other thing, too, with which, you know, I'll, I'll let you take it from here. How awesome was it when you saw Nestor and, and Trevino talking about what pitches they were going to throw? And we're hearing it. you know, from from our homes.
1: First of all, bro, shout out to the glove that Nasty Nestor was was rocking, bro, as a as a fellow Cuban. Bro, when I saw that glove, I was like, hold up, that's the Cuban flag. I'm like, I want one of those. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) That was that was awesome. Shout out to El Orgullo de Hialeah representing on the national stage. Shout out to Jose Trevino, man. My God, that dude seemed like a little kid. You know, he's coming up to the plate talking about, man, I can't believe I'm an all-star. You want to talk about Starstruck, that man couldn't believe that he was where he was. And, yeah, like you said, just seeing them, you know, talk to each other and Nestor being like, all right, let's go up and in. All right, let's go, let's go up and away. Let's, you know when he said to to Trevino and Trevino was like you think they're ready for this and then Nestor pulled that funky delivery out of nowhere that was awesome like you could tell they were working on that for a while and that was awesome to see like they had John Smoltz being like whoa whoa like you know and he was (laughs) loving it so it was it was awesome man like they all showed out it was great to see
0: at the end of the day we're playing a kid's game they're playing a kid's game and you know Nestor's first strikeout all-star, he wants the ball. Trevino's first hit, I want the ball. If you look at both of them, they're both kind of our size, kind of our height, you know, just normal average Joes who, you know, showed out in in Yankee pinstripes. You can't ask for a better dreamlike scenario than that right there.
1: I've never seen him smile and have so much fun like he was having during that all-star game, bro. Like, he seemed relaxed. He seemed chill he seemed like a little kid on the on the ball field having fun Stanton too. Stanton's over there talking about bro this is the ballpark I used to come to as a kid right there is the section that that you know my parents used to take me to and lo and behold he hits a home run to that very section and wins the all-star game MVP like it couldn't have been scripted better Sean
0: oh it couldn't have especially like you said being from LA you know, that's your childhood, you know, favorite team ballpark. You've been there and then you hit it 457 feet to tie the ball game. Uh, I think, yeah, that's going to get some recognition, especially, you know, how far you hit it. And, and the fact that that's where he sat when he was a kid, you know, it, it was just an incredible experience. I, uh, I, I couldn't have been happy for him. He, he deserved it, you know, more than anyone. Well, on some uh, more depressing news, we got to talk about the uh, situation at hand. Uh, Yanks had a doubleheader today Against the Houston Astros Uh, As you can tell By my voice It did not go Accordingly Um, The Yankees dropped both games And uh, technically The Yankees lost all three games In Houston this season Um, The Yankees are the best team in baseball Technically still statistically But it seems like The Houston Astros are our Kryptonite right now Um, You know in the first game Yankees lost three to two Uh, Houston piled on pretty quickly in in the first with just a quick run, but they, they were smart. Altuve and Pena with back-to-back bunts to start the game. You know, they, they know Montgomery is a little slower on, on, on ground balls toward him. So they, they were smart. They got two men on right away. Um, And they have, they have one of the toughest front lineups I've ever seen with Altuve, Tucker, Bregman, Alvarez, Pena, who is really starting to show form, and, and Brantley when he returns, like they have a really tough group uh, in the, from one through five at least every every night. So getting through them is always very difficult. Um, but they started off right off the bat, basically up two nothing, and the Yankees have always struggled to score against the Houston pitching. They they have always done a really good job on on limiting us and and our runs and our hits. Uh, LeMay, you had that sole home run, which was like. A line drive, perfect to right field, opposite field. It cut it to 2-1. And then we had an incredible moment um, where, you know, IKF pinch hits for, for Marlon Gonzalez. And he gets that in the ninth inning with two outs. And he gets that base hit to bring home Aaron Hicks to tie the game at two. Incredible moment. It was it. it felt like, it, it. now looking at it, it really felt like the 2019 game six where what ties it in the top of the ninth and like, you know, the whole, you think it's the tides are swinging. And then they came right back uh, in the bottom of the ninth and, and, and walked it off. Uh, unfortunately uh, it was tough, you know, King came in, you know, gave up back to back hits, one a single single uh, by Bregman and then the, the double by Diaz and then second and third. But then King really started to work through it. He struck out the next two guys. Seemed like we had a chance. They, uh, Jordan Alvarez, who just came off the IL, pinch hits. They intentionally walk him to avoid him because he has our number since he's come to the majors. And then the walk-off by J.J. Matajevic. Oh, that was rough, uh, especially because it, it seemed like two pitches before he had fouled the ball off. And it, it ricocheted straight up, and Higashioka, who had just come into the game, grabbed it. And it almost seemed like if he had waited an extra second, it would have rolled fair. And he could have just quickly stepped on home and ended the inning. And uh, it seemed like, you know, by his body language, like he knew he had picked the ball up too quickly. But I don't blame him. You know, he it was a baseball move at such a brief second time you had to, you know, react. But unfortunately, you know, the Yankees get walked off again for the fifth time. All five times the Yankees have been walked off against. It has been with Montgomery on the mound. It uh, just goes to show that he is the most unlucky pitcher in baseball for a guy who's, who has a 3.24 ERA, you know, and he pitched well tonight, you know, six and a third, two earned eight K's and you know, he's having such a better season. It's probably his best season of his career. He can just, he just can never get run support. You can never get wins. And he, he really is, like I said, the most unlucky pitcher in all baseball, but you know, it, the Yankees couldn't, you know, capitalize and get any runs in, and and they, they take a loss. And then a couple hours later, in in the sequel of this doubleheader, um, Domingo Herman makes his comeback, his first game of the season. Um, I know there were certain people who were not looking forward to this, obviously with his past, and a lot of people who were excited because you know it's it's better than having Ryan Weber on the team. So you know maybe. He could have provided a spark and and, and give the bullpen some some relief because Herman is capable of going multiple innings, uh, but he did he just didn't have it and uh, I, I don't blame him necessarily because it's his first game back. It's hard you know to to really come back and you know against the arguably the best team in baseball and you know to show out. He was really struggling, especially to command the the curveball. He kept leaving everything up and and they were hitting the balls really hard off him you know he gave up the home run to to Jordan Alvarez of course and and then uh Bregman you know hits a home run off him back to back and uh quickly made it two nothing you know it, it's it's been a rough season series against Houston um in 64 innings against Houston this this year the Yankees have only led for two of them uh obviously you know Yanks lost 7-5 and and they made it a little closer with Judge's three-run bomb i don't know if you saw it Enrique but that they went into the train tracks and hit the glass. I I haven't seen a home run like that in a while. So, you know, that was incredible. What what did you think of the home run? If Houston
1: wasn't a closed roof dome type of stadium, I feel like that thing would have left the stadium. Like that thing came damn close. You know what I'm saying? Damn close to leaving leaving the park all altogether, you know what I'm saying? That was that was a monster shot by judge. Um funny enough that you mentioned about you know, Houston and their recent success against us, right? Ryan Rucco had a funny stat that he pulled up, and this should be telling. He mentioned that in all of the games the Yankees have played against Houston this year, which that's it, the season series is over. Houston has never trailed against us, not once in the season series. I hope you know that, Sean even the two games they lost against us technically they never trailed because we walked it off so you know it's 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 really telling you know it, clearly this is the team that if we're going to get over the hump and get to championship number 28 we're going to have to go through them make no mistake about it and you know i'm not saying juan soto it'd be nice But we're going to need another bat because that pitching staff is no joke. And keep in mind, keep in mind, I'm not trying to scare Yankee fans or nothing, but keep in mind, these guys did what they did today without Ryan Presley because he was on uh, paternity leave. Bro, even when Judge hit that home run and you felt like the Yankees had the momentum and they were that close to tying it with a man on and Matt Carpenter batting, they still shut us down. They got the game ending double play without without Ryan Presley. Arguably their 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 best reliever. So what does that tell you? You need some extra bats if you're gonna beat this team because their
0: pitching rotation and their pitching staff in general is no joke. Each time that we face them, there's always someone that you know is missing. Like when we played them in the one game, Jordan Alvarez wasn't there and uh we they still won without him and then you know we've gone now four games without michael brantley and they've won three of the four so you know michael brantley has always been a kryptonite to us as well you know they have a a really good team it doesn't matter who plays and who doesn't they just seem to have our number they they look they are very good their pitching staff is very good at limiting us our hits and runs like i said before and then they have a very, very top-heavy lineup. Those first one through five, even six guys in there who are just so dominant, it's it's bro, very hard to get out.
1: Bro, even the bottom of their lineup, like J.J. Matajevic, bro. J.J. Matajevic, like, I swear, that guy is like that annoying little mosquito that just flies around that you want to swat, but you can't get him because he's too fast to swat, like, And and this is no disrespect to him. Even he has had success against us. You know, you got he got the walk-off hit today. He had a go-ahead Homer against us in Yankee Stadium on June 25th when the Astros played us in Yankee Stadium on that date. Like, bro, when you got their bottom of the lineup, guys, like JJ Matejevic doing damage, that's scary.
0: The other thing also is that, you know. They're not even a full team yet. You know, they they have guys still coming back. Lance McCullers hasn't even pitched yet, and he will be, you know, he'll be ready by October. I expect the Astros to go out and, and get either a reliever or a starter, preferably a starter for them, and, you know, they'll be even better. And once they, you know, once they get their, their guys back like Brantley and, and others, they're going to be a full team come October and be even harder to get past. Unfortunately, you know, the Yankees lost, like I said, all three games in Houston. They split with them in in New York, but overall go 2-5 and on the season against them, uh, losing the season series, and now are only two and a half games up on Houston. And as I mentioned before, you need to have the best record against them. You need to do better. You need to have home field advantage come playoff time against the Astros because they're a good team. And giving them the extra advantage of having an extra game, especially most likely game seven in Houston instead of the Bronx, that'll come back to buy you. And make no
1: mistake, you want to have that home field advantage. And like we also talked about off air, don't forget, you want to have that first round buy. You know, that's that's part of the new playoff format this year, that the best team gets a first round
0: buy. I have to say, I'm, I'm getting real sick and tired of... Uh, of losing like this to the Astros, they, they seem to be our kryptonite, like I said before. Um, you know, it, it, it's hard. It's hard going through the last 21 years and having only one World Series to show for it. And, and you know, in 2009 and then in the, in the past, you know, seven seasons before this one, we got eliminated by the Astros three different times. And at this rate, if nothing gets done, we might be looking toward a fourth in eight seasons, you know, right now it seems like Houston has our number. And, you know, I, I want to mention this cause I'm going to ask you. Um, I'm one who feels like the Yankees need to make multiple moves. I think an outfielder for sure is one. Uh, as we've seen from this Astros team and this lineup, there's no holes here. Even the players that we think are easy outs are, are, are working against us and, Um, I I think the Yankees right now have a couple big holes. And that's the thing, like, you can't have that in October. And I think that, one, you need to get an outfielder or or someone significant to, to really boost this lineup up. You know, I would assume a lefty to kind of balance it out, but we'll see on that. And I think even bigger than that, I think the Yankees need to get a starting pitcher. I think out of everything negative that happened today, I think the positive in it, which I mentioned to you off air, is the fact that Cashman probably picked up the phone and started making some calls because you cannot have an embarrassment like that and just think, we'll be all right come October. It it just can't happen.
1: Speaking of that, speaking of getting a starting pitcher, here's a nightmare scenario for you. Luis Castillo, right? Houston wants to get in on getting him. Bro, you imagine if they add him to their starting rotation? How dominant and how formidable would their pitching staff be if they added Luis Castillo to it. I'm hoping that doesn't happen, but what I do agree with you is, and we talked about it off air, you need a replacement for Joey Gallo. As much as I like Joey, man, and, and it pains me to say it, but you need another big bat to, to compliment Stanton, Judge, Rizzo, and and donaldson you know what i'm saying you need another big bat and you know if you can get that in the form of a you know juan soto you know hopefully fingers crossed or you can even get a lesser you know a lesser impact guy but still a big time bat like like a benettendi you know, somebody like that, I feel like that would do wonders for the Yankees. I completely agree with you. You need to stack up that lineup to go against this Houston pitching staff for sure.
0: I think it's, um, yeah, you know, Juan Soto sounds amazing. Uh, you would have to empty the farm for sure for him. Uh, you would have to throw in Wesneski, Waldachuk, Dominguez, you know, Peraza, Sweeney. Who knows? You know, you're you're talking about putting in at least, you know, four of your top five prospects in there and a lot you would have to like I said empty the whole farm for a guy like that and it's because you know for someone like Soto and the reason I'm mentioning Soto is because it seems like the everyone's talking about him in all baseball every city in in America is talking about Juan Soto and and how available he really is so listen he's got two and a half years of control so no team has to pay him right now and I've seen reports that even teams like the Rays can go in and offer him because they have the draft capital and the prospects, you know, they can go in there and offer him. Cause if they don't have to pay him for two full seasons, they can have two full seasons of contending and then have to move him. Like they do with everybody else that, that ends up becoming a star there. You know, there's so many teams, you know, and the Yankees sounded the most incredible because we probably have, you know, the most capital of, of what to give away. And, He would be perfect in New York and God only knows how much of a star he would become and we wouldn't have to pay him for another two years, which means you could still focus completely on judge in the off season and, you know, have yourself the greatest outfield of all time. And it sounds great, but you know, if you're going to do that, you basically have to say we're winning now and we're going to win now for the next two or three years. And we have to win because the future that we have is built for the next decade. All those guys are supposed to be top level great amazing guys and 10 for the next for between next year and 10 years from now. So you have to really ask yourself like, is Soto worth it? I of course think yes because he's top two, maybe one greatest player in baseball right now. And so you're not you might not get another opportunity and the worst thing you'd want to see is him going to a rival, whatever rival it is and then having to face him for the next two years and just asking yourself like a Verlander situation. What if we pulled the trigger? Cliff Lee situation. What if we pulled the trigger? And uh, you know, you never want to see that again. So I think the Yankees have to do that. If not Ben intended, an option. I know he's not vaccinated and all that conversation, but we only go to Toronto one more time. You know, I think we could settle for three games. He can't play, but also I think the Yankees could help him get vaccinated, whatever. And then also what Hap, I know Ian Happ of of the Cubs is a huge conversation as well. That would be interesting. I don't know how the Yankees would swing that because he could play a lot of positions and whatever we trade, but definitely an outfielder and definitely, most definitely, a starting pitcher. Talking about having Domingo Herman as possible a six starter, yeah, no, that's not going to work for me. If if you want to win a World Series, Domingo Herman cannot be in the rotation. If you if you're setting on Domingo Herman being in the rotation, you might as well just kiss the season goodbye. The Yankees need a high, high, very high-level end starter, and for Severino to be on point when he returns. And moving on, um, the Orioles are are riding a hot hand right now. You know, they they won 10 straight previously. Uh, even though I know they only won, you know, one out of three in Tampa before the All-Star break, but they did sweep Texas, LA, and and Chicago. So I give them their props. They're playing 500 baseball, which I know no. MLB expert ever thought that would happen in, in toward the end of July. So, you know, that's incredible. It, it's really an amazing thing to see f- all five teams in the uh, American league is playing 500 baseball or better. It just shows the difference in each division and why the schedule is going to change starting next year and how, you know, unfortunate it is for teams like us to play these four teams 76 times a year while you know, teams like the White Sox and the Twins play their division seventy six times a year and excel and get the a better better position in in the playoffs. But I digress. <laughs> but talking about Friday's game, um, Yanks win seven six. Uh, I wish I could be happier about it, but unfortunately, we got some terrible news. Um, that's probably gonna. Take shape in a couple hours once we find out officially. But Michael King fractured his right arm, and it shows now that they also now need relief pitching desperately. So Cashman is going to have to be working some phones, multiple phones if you got them. And, uh, you know, I would, you got to start shaping up this team real soon. You know, the Astros are not going anywhere, other teams will be creeping up. Yanks have some moves to make and they need to make them now between right now and August 2nd. They're going to have to reshape this team, even though they're the best team in baseball. I understand that, but clearly the Yankees have now shown that they have some major holes and they need to plug them, plug them real soon. Uh, Enrique, what are you, uh h- how are you feeling with, with the King news and uh you know, how how are you taking it?
1: I mean, I'm devastated, brother. Uh, you know, to have a a, a win like like we had, where you know we overcame Tyon not exactly being at the top of his game tonight, Chapman almost blowing it, and yet we still won. But it didn't. It doesn't feel like a win with this news. I mean. How much more depleted is this Yankees bullpen gonna be? You're literally playing with fire. Like you're you're putting yourself in a position here where now if you think of it, Sean, who's who's reliable in that pen right now? At least in the back end. You you got Peralta, right? You got Clay Holmes. Who else do you can you really count on? You know what I'm saying? I can't think of anybody. You know what I'm saying? Okay, you could put Schmidt back in the bullpen, that's fine. But other than that, man, I don't know. I'm I'm not feeling too good about this. You know what I'm saying? Um, especially if Chapman doesn't round out back to form like like we talked about in previous podcasts, and Jonathan Loisica doesn't find his form. Like it's it's gonna be tough if those two can't get it together. I yeah. feel like the Yankees might have to make a move.
0: Oh, for no no doubt, I think the Yankees are now adding a third Issue to the list here. We've we've mentioned on this podcast and on on previous ones that outfield help is is desperate. A, star, a starting pitcher is is desperate, and also bullpen help. Uh, you know we we desperately need somebody. You know, Whitky helped us out today with uh, with two with two and a third. But you know, Tyone, as we're seeing from Tyone, tyone has been a shell of himself too ever since you know early June. He's Started off red hot and then now he's he's got like almost uh, like a six point five ERA in his last like ten starts, you know. Even today he couldn't even get out of the fourth inning, and uh, it, it's it's tough to see right now. It really is. Clay Holmes, you know, saved us today by by getting a five out save because of the injury to King, but it it really is hard right now. Chapman is nowhere to be found. I I don't I don't know who this person is. You know the guy. Guy can't throw his fastball and then he's throwing, you know, get me over sliders. It's really easy to, to, you know, understand Chapman when he's off and he's sweating bullets out there and he feels like he can't command the fastball. He's just going to throw the other pitch that he that he has that he he feels he's comfortable with, which is a slider. And eventually it's just going to float over the middle of the plate like it did. And luckily, the Yankees were up four thanks to the Gallo home run. But besides that, it would have been a tie ball game and we could have let that game slip away.
1: Kudos to him. He was a big reason we won today. Him coming in um, in relief of Tyone was major. And, you know, maybe you could include him as somebody that's reliable out of the pen. But then again, he's been inconsistent. You know, when he's on, he's great. But you and I both know, Sean, he's not automatic. He's not on every time he's out there. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, realistically now, looking at this roster... I just I don't know man I don't know what's what's going to happen and it just puts that much more pressure on the starters to you know do their job and and to go deep into games and even that's been iffy lately look at like what you said with Tyone look look at what he did today look what happened with the guy that essentially took Luis Severino's spot Domingo Herman he got rocked you know what I'm saying I mean <laughs> you can't just depend on Garrett Cole, Nestor Cortez and, and Jordan Montgomery to do it all. You know what I'm saying? And even Monty, can you really depend on Tyone, Montgomery, and Herman to take you deep? Or at least until Severino comes back. I doubt it. Especially with the way they pitch lately.
0: For the bullpen. Um yeah, Coy Holmes is obviously your closer. And then you're you're basically putting all your chips in that, well, Isaac can go back to being an eighth inning guy like he was last year. Um, but he
1: hasn't shown you that, Sean. That's the problem. Granted, That's
0: why I'm saying you. Yeah, it's very true. But he's also just coming back from the injury. So, you know, right now he he's getting hit around a lot. And it's scary. I was just saying this before, uh, that it's very scary when he comes out because he, he doesn't look like the person we saw last year. And you're kind of just banking that he can be. And it's kind of just being, you know, swept under the rug because of how bad Chapman's been. So it's not really been the, the topic of conversation, but yeah, that's why I think the Yankees, you know, are, if not already are making phone calls to go out and, and get an eighth inning guy now, because you kind of, you have no choice. It, let's just assume worst case scenario. Yankees don't get anyone right now, or, or at least till the deadline, or if not at all, I think they will, but you know, let's assume the worst clay's ninth. Um. Then they're gonna they're gonna push Elizaga to be eight, you know, and be the eighth inning guy like he was last year. Cause that's the goal. The goal is to get him back to form, so that he is the eighth inning guy again. But that's what it's gonna be now. That's so nine will be Clay, eight will be Elizaga. I really assume that the Yankees are gonna go and get someone to be the eighth inning guy. But let's assume they don't. Eliza will be eight. Wandy would probably be seven. And then you have to, you know, whatever the situation is with Licky being six and then, you know, somehow fitting Chapman in somewhere, hopefully never. But, you know, he's going to have to fit in at some time with Abreu to, you know, eat up innings on bad, bad days from starting pitching. So you can really see Chapman around the fifth, sixth. Same thing with Abreu on bad, you know, bad games. That's how you're going to see it. And then you're obviously going to have, like I said, Clark be long relief in case. Um I think there's gonna be another move there. I think obviously, I think the Yankees are still gonna go out and get a starter. And I think until that time, you're gonna have Clark be the long reliever and Domingo stay in the rotation until Severino comes back. And then you would push Domingo to be kind of like a six slash spot starter and then a basically a reliever. But then that'll be your rotation. because um, you, you know, Montgomery's still great, but you just don't hit for him. Uh, obviously, Cole and Nestor have been, you know held this team. Severino will come back and you know pitch as good as he's been. And then you go and get someone. And then once you go and get someone, then you have your you know you, you have right there five guys, and not even including Tyone, would be the sixth guy basically as your starter. And then you would move me and go to the bullpen. And so you you would find ways to eat up the innings. Like we have the guys in the in the minor leagues to eat innings with Marinaccio coming and J.P. Sears to eat innings and and Clark. Uh, but, you know, you take all those names, like, we know them well to be great, but that's not the bullpen we came in with to start the year. You know, losing Chad Green and even Luis Hill at the time, which I know the Yankees wanted to make a starter, you know, he, he was still, like, had a fantastic year last year. So losing him hurt, you know, losing Miguel Castro for probably like a month and a half hurts even though he, he's been struggling, he's still a bullpen arm we needed. Um, it, it, makes, it makes Zach Britton coming back in September even, you know, sound even nicer. So, you know, who knows what, that, what happens with that. It, it's just, it's going to a huge question mark around this uh, pitching staff.
1: That's exactly what I was going to ask you. you. You gave me the perfect segue. I was going to say, my worry is, bro, they're going to have to decide pretty quickly. If they want to trade for a bullpen arm and my worry is exactly what you just said that Brian Cashman is going to look at this roster and the depth that we have in the minors and think to himself. Well, you know what we have enough of a lead in in the standings that we don't need to worry about the regular season. We have enough depth. In the minors to to fill in and guys that can come in and, you know, fill the spots of Chad Green and now Michael King until Zach Britton comes back in September, which is when we really care. We care about September and October and the playoffs. So why trade for an arm when we got an arm coming in September? That is what I'm worried about. And now I transition to the question. Do you think that's a realistic possibility that Cashman might say, we don't need to trade for an arm. We got Britton coming back later.
0: Uh, if this was a couple years ago, I'd probably say yes. But I think with the dramatic change with how good this team has been and how surprising it's been, um, and the fact that it's a contract year and the fact that like I have mentioned earlier in this podcast, you know, getting eliminated by Houston three times in seven years and keep going this route. You're going to get it'll be a fourth for, you know, in, in eight years. Yeah, You can't let you can't let Houston be you. So you can't just sit there and assume that what you have is good enough. And so I think this is the year where I think Cashman goes and gets the arms and, and gets whatever it takes to be better than Houston. Because what you're making now, the team that you're making now, is the, what What can I do to make my team better than Houston and you know whoever the best team in the NL will be after that? How do I get to be better than them? Because we are just as good as them. We're just not beating them. So how do I beat them? And so Zach Britton's great, but it's just like what we're seeing with ago. If Zach Britton comes back in, let's say, late August, early September, there's no he's not going to return back to the Zach Britton we know. Probably, Who knows if he does ever. But if he does, it won't happen until at least six, seven, eight outings out of him when he's comfortable again. And by then, we are he might be in October. So, you know, you can't rely on Zach Britton. Zach Britton's almost like a bonus if he is as good as, you know, who you want him to be. But at the same time, he would have to return before September 1st to be eligible to even play for the postseason. So we don't even know about that yet. And then, you know, that's the other thing too with Miguel Castro's injury. You got to ask yourself if that's even an option to, if we will ever see him as a Yankee again, because he's been great, sure, but the last couple outings he has not. And with how depleted this team has now become, you, you know, you, you lost your your one of your best relievers in Michael King. Then you lost before that you're probably your other best reliever in Chad Green. And luckily, Clay Holmes has been the best reliever in baseball. Because if he wasn't, who knows what this bullpen would be. Chapman, I, I don't even consider really a major league pitcher at this point. Um, but you know he's he's an issue. Like I said, Isaaca, it's just coming back to form. He's been a little bit of an issue, but. If you don't get, you know, the outings that you're 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 now begging for from Wandy or or Licky, the starters can only take you so far. We'll just end up blowing the game where the Yankees have relied on their bullpen all year, and now we're begging for the bullpen to stay as good as they are. So yeah, you have to go get a reliever. You might even have to go get two relievers if you don't get a starter. And but I think the Yankees are still going to go full in on going get a Castillo type starter and then a high end reliever and. Uh, a, a, a great outfielder.
1: I don't know, man. Especially, like I said, with the way, <laughs> with the way Loaizaca and Chapman are pitching, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm nervous about how all this is shaking out.
0: For reliever help, I would say between now and the next couple of days, you know, we'll, we'll see uh, probably a couple moves made. And then, you know, by the deadline in the next 10 days, we, we should see, uh, Big changes to the team, but you know, I guess we'll see. It's heartbreaking news for King, and uh hopefully the Yankees rebound because they need to desperately. So, big blow tonight. Yankees do win, but right now it feels like a loss. And now, going into the weekend, you got Garrett Cole on the mound. Um, He'll make his first start of the second half, going against Jordan Lyles. Hopefully the Yankees can can take that game. You know, you have to you have to win in, in this series. You got to win all three, I think, especially with with the situation we have going on right now. With how close Houston is creeping up behind us, you, you can't can't make mistakes on games like these. Like I know Baltimore is playing 500 ball, but you gotta you gotta beat the teams that that are below you and and make a statement. Uh, and then going into you know Sunday's game, your boy, your favorite player, <laughs> Esther Cortez you know your hometown hero over there uh you know he takes he takes the mound he gets his first start after the all-star break against them against Dean Kremer, who has been really good since you know getting the call up to to the majors he's got a 2.59 riding 3 and 1 the baltimores playing real good and they're going to be a tough out especially with that change in left field i still don't know why they did that but that the the new dynamic over there, it really makes it tough for right-handed hitters to hit home runs. And the Yankees really excel when when our, when their guys hit home runs. So it's going to be a really good series. I really look forward to hopefully the Yankees taking it. And uh, hopefully they take it. And I think they got to make a statement here.
1: I mean, you got to think that the Garrett Cole game is is a must win. Like, I agree with you. I feel like we should come away with a sweep in this series. No doubt about it. You got to come motivated to make a statement and, you know, put the losing streak behind you. With Cole, bro, are you kidding me? You got him against a guy in Tyler, in, in Jordan Lyles, which we've said a ton of times on this podcast. I don't need to go in depth on Jordan Lyles, but, you know, he's a guy that's there just to give them innings. He's not there to give them wins. He's not there to give them you know, anything but innings. He's there to eat up innings. He's currently holding an almost five ERA at 4.76. You should dominate that game. And as far as Sunday with Nestor against Dean Kramer, that's a really solid pitching matchup too. You know what I'm saying? So even with, you know, playing at Camden Yards and playing with that really deep left field, like still, you, you, you should sweep this series
0: the Yankees have to make a statement and take, you know, minimum two out of three and, uh, the, no excuses. There really should be a sweep, but you know, uh, hopefully the Yankees can bounce back, make a statement and, and get ready for the, uh, subway series against the Mets, you know, coming up after that. But, uh, I think that's a wrap brother. Um, thank you all for listening in to the hottest Kina podcast episode 27 uh, give us a, a five star rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, thank you all so much for the support o- over this brief time that we've started. Uh, we're only getting better. We have a lot of guests coming on soon who are gonna, let's just say, rock your socks off. Let's, let's keep it PG here. But uh, we, we got some really exciting things coming up, you know, in the works, but um also, you know, give us a, a a like, follow, and subscribe. You know, we're we're on Twitter at the Hottest Kina Pod. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram, and uh, you know, see the content we're putting out. We're we're nonstop. We're always doing something. If it's either me, Enrique, sometimes even John, we we're we're nonstop in in this game. So, you know, we'll be around for the long haul. We're really excited for what we have in store, uh, and uh, you know, just keep following us. You'll see. You'll see. It's gonna get really exciting. But uh, from me and Enrique, that's it for us. Uh, We'll see you on the next one. Uh, Go, Yanks.